0: Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman, mom to Skylar, my incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast five years ago was that the content of each episode brings hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I sincerely hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, welcome to my life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, welcome to my life, underscore Lori Hellman. And let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes or Audible, please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season five of Living the Sky Life. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Living the Sky Life. I have concluded the Sibling Series, and I hope you all really enjoyed that. I got a lot of great feedback, and the guests were phenomenal. So I appreciate all the support during that series. I'm moving on to um, not another series, but just some other topics that are constantly talked about. And one that's near and dear to my heart is spelling to communicate or the spelling method. Um, I have done that with my son, Skylar, for about three years now. And um, I'm just seeing so much more communication about that method online lately. So I wanted to bring on one of the OGs of the spelling method, um, Dawn Marie Gaven. So, Dawn Marie is the founder and executive director at Speller Center San Diego, located in Oceanside, California. Before her career moved into the world of non speaking autism, Dawn Marie worked for over 11 years as a trauma and transplant RN. In 2005, her first son regressed and was diagnosed with autism. A year later, her second son followed the same path. Today, her eldest, Evan, who is 20 years old, is a non speaker and fluent letterboard communicator. Her younger son, Trey, who is 18, is a minimal speaker who uses multiple modalities for effective communication. Dawn Marie is a former floor time provider, co founder of the Spellers Method, and an assistive technology specialist. In March 2021, Jameson Handley, a fluent speller, and his dad, JB, wrote a book entitled Underestimated about their journey learning how to spell for communication with her. In 2023, their award-winning documentary, Spellers, was released, showcasing how spelling and typing as a method of communication has liberated many non-speakers from a lifetime of silence. Dawn Marie also currently serves as the interim co-director of Spellers Freedom Foundation, a nonprofit run by a board made up mostly of non-speakers who give scholarships and help create community for other spellers. Dawn Marie's children inspired her specific passion to support all non-speakers in the development of purposeful motor skills and a reliable form of communication. You can learn more about her and the programs offered through her team at www.spellers.com. So please enjoy my informative conversation with Don Marie. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. I am so excited to finally have Don Marie. Get it's Gavin, right? Is how you say your last Gavin. name? Gavin. 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 Yep. I knew that extra I would throw me, but um, you are the OG of uh the spelling method, and we're going to get into all that. Um, I'm so excited to have you on. I've I've talked to you offline, and um, we have mutual friends in the Spellers community and outside of it. And um, there's just so many things that I hope that I have been able to accurately portray to all the questions that I get from my followers about Skylar's spelling journey. And I don't wanna mess that up. So (laughs) hopefully this is a great opportunity for you to correct maybe things I've said that are incorrect or answer some questions that I haven't been able to answer. So, so glad that you were able to come on today and talk to me, so welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I have followed you for a long time too and watching Skylar's journey. So when he started spelling, I was like,
0: yes, this know. is so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, That's awesome.
0: Yeah, well, and like I said, it's kind of a full circle moment because I've had um, JB on and um, I've read Underestimated and just, I see your name and all the things. And I'm just like, wow, we just have not like connected on the podcast. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to do it. Um, before we get into all the spelling, I just want you to be able to tell everybody kind of your journey to here because you're sure. known as one of the original spelling gurus, but there's life beyond that. <laughs> and before that, yeah. your two yeah. sons. So can you tell us about yourself and your, your sons and your family?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so I was before children, I was a trauma and then a transplant nurse. So I did that for about 11 years, a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, mm-hmm. um, which is, serves me well. Now that I have two boys who are 16 months apart and they both were diagnosed with autism, they were both developing typically and then they both regressed and lost their speech and lost their eye contact and all the things. So when I, when Evan, my oldest, he's gonna be 21 this year, he's 20 right now, and he's my fluent speller. Um, when he was first diagnosed, I came home from the developmental pediatrician's office. Um, Trey was still an infant. I put them both to bed and I got on the internet and I Googled autism. And now, I mean, I went to uh, college for nursing. I was a great nurse. I graduated top of my class. I thought I attended every lecture. I knew nothing about autism, nothing. And so I Google it. And the website, ironically, that pops up is JB Hanley's website. And it says uh, Generation Rescue back in the day, right? And it says autism is treatable. Now, I don't want to. Fire up the neurodiverse community. It's not about recovering autism or changing someone's neurodiversity. But my son was really sick and actually continued, and we'll talk about that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. continued to have ongoing health issues in relation to his autism because they're comorbid conditions. Um, And that's what I wanted to treat. Like, he was miserable. He had all these GI issues already. And I felt all this hope and inspiration. So, coming full circle, and I'm jumping over a lot of history, but when uh, JB Hanley's wife listened to a podcast I did with your mutual friend and mine, Melinda Cook, the Autism mm-hmm. Masterminds. I had done one podcast on at the time, Spelling to Communicate, and Lisa Hanley heard it. And when she heard it, she said to JB, that's who I want to teach me how to spell with Jamie. Like we can, I know there's lots of great people out there. I know Elizabeth Vossler founded S2C, but like, I just personally want to learn from this mom. And so he said, sure, no problem. And we're all on the same coast. And so they started coming down to San Diego. So it's ironic that, you know, his website back in 2005 is what sort of gave me inspiration and hope. And really it helped me just get my stride with autism. I was like, okay, he's autistic. Great like, let's just move forward. What are we doing? You know? Um, And for the Hanleys and full circle to come back and be like, they thought, you know, what Jamie could do, as you saw in the Spellers movie was just, you know, point to certain things or, or single word utterances. And he's this brilliant young man who just needed a reliable form of communication to express Mm it. It feels like, I don't know, from some 40,000 foot level like it's all how it was all supposed to play out. Do you know what I mean? In time. Oh, yeah. And we had, to, we had to learn what we needed to learn individually and then collectively as a society to like get to where we are today. It's it's really cool when you think about it from that level.
0: It is cool. You know, it's, it's funny though. I'm sure like a lot of parents, I kick myself all the time. Like, gosh, how did I not start this until three years ago? Like, how did I not know about this? I mean, I read the yeah. book, but re- I read it prior to starting, I didn't know anything about spelling and, um, it hadn't come up in any searches I'd done. Yeah. It's just, it was still not really something that the mainstream people knew about or talked about. And, um, you know, I can't fault myself for not knowing no. about it. I'm just glad I know about it now. So I just don't want parents to think like, if their child is unable to spell, or if it's, it was something they just learned about from me or someone recently, I don't want them to feel bad because, um, as long as we get them a method, a method that works, whether it's that or something else, then we've done our job. But, but yeah, the good
1: advice I got once was like, don't look in the rear view mirror because mm-hmm. you're not going that way. Right. Yeah. That's not the direction. <laughs> and, and also for me, so I, I was part of this group of moms in the Bay area. So my boys were born in Northern California and we used to get together once a month at the borders bookstore when, you know, bookstores were big before (laughs) Amazon. And, um, we would dissect the autism literature. We would assign each other topics. Like I was the one, because I'm the nurse, I studied Yasko's protocol and I taught it to everybody. You know, somebody else would research, uh, verbal behavior and come back. Like, and so we basically, divided and conquered everything there was to learn about autism, intervention, health, diet, doesn't matter, you name it. And RPM came up back then, right? Because Soma, who invented RPM, is kind of the pioneer, really, of using letter boards for autistic um, people. And not just autistic people, by the way, Down syndrome, anyone Mm. who doesn't have reliable speech. And so I knew about it, but I mistakenly thought that my son had to prove that he knew his letters and that he could spell before I would chase that elusive white rabbit. Right, And so I think for a lot of people, that is the biggest holdup is they think, well, I don't know if my child can do this, therefore, and you got to justify to your partner your spouse, or just your bank account. Like, what am I going to spend on yet this other thing that might not turn into anything at all? And so Um, I learned the hard way. I spent three years. Evan threw me under a bus in the book because he wrote a little short chapter and underestimated. He's like, my mom spent three years trying to teach me how to spell. Like, and I don't know what his exact words were, but thankfully one day she just taught me spelling anyway. I couldn't get him to manipulate those little letter tiles, like to match. Magnets,
0: Yeah. Yeah. He he
1: couldn't do the fine motor. And like, that's kind of the big thing is that no one, even in early intervention teaches the motor part of correctly selecting, even if we're talking about two flashcards, like which one's the tree and you're holding up tree and apple, nobody, very few agencies, I'm sure they're evolving. But back in the day, nobody would say, okay, here's a picture of the tree, touch tree, like just teach the motor skill of look at it. And while you're looking at it, hold your fixation vision and reach and poke, which is way more sophisticated a motor plan than you and I think, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we don't have apraxia, we're like, yeah, you just do this. But for our kids, it's really, really complicated. And they get so used to not doing it correctly that it starts to become like this, like just super unreliable. And they just, you put something out and they reach and touch it, but there's no scanning. There's no discrimination. There's no practicing of moving the eyes, which are very fine motor muscles to work together. Like, so there's all that stuff that has been uncovered through the research and through the pioneers like Soma and Elizabeth Vossler and Dana Johnson and myself now to say, oh, there's some nuance to this that you have to first teach someone. So there's no prerequisite in terms of like, you have to know how to do this or that in order to get an assessment done and at least start out the process. Um, But you don't also have to break your bank on it either. Like I did not spend a ton of money on learning how to do this with my son, Evan, partly because there just weren't a lot of providers, but also because there's ways to do it remotely. Like there's, it it helps to see somebody in person, as you know, right? It helps to have a local presence and someone physically spelling with you. But um, for a lot of kids, you can still do it from home, right, as a parent-driven program.
0: Yeah, I think what you said too about how just kind of the selections are just kind of all over the place and they're not reliable, I think that was our biggest frustration with PECS because- For Skyler, he, it, it there were several things that seemed like he would always pick the pack that was closest to his right hand because he's right-handed. Or it would be options and they would never give him more than two or three options because they didn't want to overwhelm him. But they were usually food and drink or something. Well, he wasn't hungry and he wasn't thirsty, so he wouldn't pick one. And then they would say, Skylar, which one of these do you want? And he's like, well... I guess I'll take this one. And so he'd pick drink, but then they'd hand him his drink and he'd put up his hand. Like, I don't want to drink. And they're like, well, you chose it though. And I'm just like, it was messing with his head. (laughs) So for, for me, when I spell with him, if he's after about the third or fourth word, even now, still after three years of doing this, I notice he gets more and more tired. His eyes are almost closing because he is so exhausted from still having to raise his arm, point his finger, match his eyes and the board and all of that. And um, I don't, I mean, but he's reliable. It's remarkable how many words he spells with his eyes almost completely closed. I'm like, buddy, you can't spell with your eyes closed. And he does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that means that you're doing a, you're doing a very good job with your consistent board placement. Right. I'm trying. Because that's, no, that's <laughs> awesome. Like the standards of practice, you know, when you see video of parents and you know, we can't control what every parent out there does, but when you see videos of parents and like the, the letter board or the keyboard is moving around with the mm-hmm. speller, that's not best practice. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of fuel for the critics of the method to say, well, that's influenced. And it doesn't mean it is, but it's, it's possible, right? It's possible Mm -hmm. that the speller is being influenced by the moving of the board. So the fact that you're consistently putting the board in the same place allows for Skyler to make the accommodations he needs to do, maybe even turn his body if his Mm -hmm. visual field is not straight on where that's the strongest, you know what I mean? Or let's just say his right eye, because they don't converge well together or whatever if there's an eye turn mm-hmm. that's usually a sign and I'm I'm telling you more than I know I am not a developmental optometrist but I work a lot with Dr. Susan Daniel who's like the guru in this yeah. so I'm, I'm reg- meet yeah I'm re- I'm regurgitating what I've learned I've gone with many clients to their assessments because I figure out what I can figure out on the board and everybody would benefit from developmental optometry and vision therapy if they're a speller, but not everybody has to go, right? Like you can learn to get your eyes working together through regular spelling practice. But in some cases, especially like kids with down syndrome, there's some unique things about their eyes that I'm like, it really warrants a professional evaluation because every now and then there's a board modification, which is what is the difference with speller's method is like we will make board modifications based on developmental optometry feedback. Mm -hmm. But my point back to Skylar is let's just say if one of his eyes turns out intermittently, sometimes that's the brain doing him a favor, right? Because if I'm looking at you right now and I have both my eyes open, I see one image with my right eye. If I close Mm -hmm. this, I see one image with my left. When my eyes are open, you're one image, right? They're fused together. My brain sees one thing. For some of our spellers, that's not the case. So there's like this, a little bit of a blur to the image. And so either the brain like shuts off the image coming from that eye, or sometimes it turns the eye out intermittently to be like, don't look with that eye, like just look with this eye. And so here are our spellers in the acquisition phase, which is the very beginning, and they're doing the best they can. They're like, they're used to having demands of some sort, academic, whatever. And they're trying, they know what their body can do and what it can't do. And they try to make these own accommodations for it. So as a professional, what I do in my first assessment is I notice first everything they're doing intuitively before Mm -hmm. I start saying, okay, now I want you to sit like this, or I want you to do, you know what I mean? I kind of try to figure out, and this is the nurse in me too, right? I try to really assess the whole system to go. It doesn't mean it's sustainable. Like it doesn't mean I'm not going to change all of that and change the posture and change where your board goes and all that. I will, I want a standard of practice, but first I got to take in all that data because I don't want to create an impossible ask right Mm -hmm. i don't want to be like i had one boy i'll just jump to the story this boy who traveled from far away down syndrome and i i said you have to see susan daniel and i called her on the bat phone and i was like please tell me you have a cancellation because these people came a long long way and i don't think i can get him to spell this week on this visit unless you tell me what's going on with his eyes and when we got there i said I think he cannot see anything from midpoint over. And ironically, that's where we put the board standard light is in front of the dominant spelling hand. And sure enough, she's like, yeah, he has a complete loss of his visual field. And I only figured that out through trial and error. I was like, look, I feel like he's literally like, okay, you're telling me to poke over here over, 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 but I have no idea. And when I completely crossed his midline, which is not how we do it, he could hit them. And I was like, that goes against everything I've been taught, but, this is what is working for him. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. with vision therapy, for the record, we've got the boards back to where we needed it. Right. But we had to make some initial accommodations and the, I say needed it. We want it over here. Cause we want both his eyes working. We want him to have the full visual field, not just for spelling, but like navigating the world. Imagine walking into a building and not being able to see anything from midpoint over to the right. Right. It's more than spelling. Dangerous. It's life. Ooh, yeah. It yeah. Yeah. So
0: That's why, I mean, we're going to go back to the beginning, but like, um, that's why I am a huge advocate. And I always say like, first of all, I am not a trained practitioner. I'm a mom who is a communication partner and I've been trained by my practitioner because people are like, where can I buy the boards and how can I get started? You really, depending on the price of, of the practitioner in your area and what they charge and if you can or can't afford it, it's worth starting with somebody who is licensed and you know, trained to do this because of things like that, because of where you hold the board, because you're not going to be successful or as successful if you just buy the boards or make the boards at Michael's and you just start spelling with your child, because there's Mm -hmm. so much that Kelly, our practitioner taught me when she came for the weekend to introduce us to this. They spend as much time with the parents teaching you because I was going to be his communication partner since she doesn't live here, um, about, you know, the balance between accuracy or, or like giving him too hard of tasks and balancing out his mobility, you just don't want to jump too far ahead to the 26th yeah. board when they're not ready yes. and all of those things. Yes, You're going to frustrate your speller and they're going to just like smack the board and walk away and be like, nope. yes, right. Cause
1: they're like, <laughs> so, I can't do this. Why am I doing Why am I even trying to do and this? And you're going to get
0: frustrated as a parent. Like, why can't you just spell you know, And that, that's
1: honestly been my biggest fear right so this method and movement we're we're calling it a revolution right jamie hanley called it a revolution in the end of the film Mm -hmm. spellers um It really is, but it's important because, you know, a lot of parents are, we're, we're savvy, right? I mean, I was Googling autism and uh, today, by the way, I'm Googling everything about mold toxicity because apparently Evan is completely full of mold toxins. So that will be my nine, my next PhD is going to be in mold (laughs) treatment, remediation, whatever, because this is what we do, right? Like this is what we do as parents. So I get that and I respect it and I, and I love to harness that, but at the same time, exactly what you said, and I sound biased, right? Because I'm a practitioner, but I'm also a mom first and I'm a parent and a fellow parent first before I am trying to, you know, make money in my business. When we wrote the Spellers guidebook, which Dana Johnson and I just came out, the one criticism we've heard is like, I hoped it was going to break down the method and teach me how to do it. And it's meant to be a supplement to all the things that your practitioner can't possibly tell you in one session, right? So when they mention something about like the motor continuum or they talk about, um, co-regulation and and they give you one tidbit. Well, there's a whole chapter on each of those things in here that you can go back and do more reading on, mm-hmm. but it's not a step-by-step guide on how to do spelling because you have to see the person and you got to tap into the experience of someone who works with every profile Every student from complex motor to down syndrome, to, uh, unreliable speakers, to fully non-speaking to injurious kids, to, um, kids who cannot initiate at all. Like they can't move their body. They can't even lift their arm, cerebral palsy. Like there's so many things. And if you just borrow someone's idea from even our Spellers community, Facebook group and try it with your kiddo, there's a chance it's just the wrong prescription for starting out. Right. You know, and once you learn the steps Like once you learn what is right for your student, then there's a more autonomy, right? Like once you learn those basics, which is what Dana and I put into our online communication partner training courses, it's eight weeks, but it's like, you have a one-on-one mentor. You have a class where we teach you the concepts, but you get this one-on-one mentor. So if you don't have a practitioner near you, we'll help you figure out exactly your kiddos, sensory profile, motor profile, what boards to use, the placement, all of those things remotely. Right. We'll do it Mm -hmm. remotely with you if you can't travel or you can't even travel with your kiddo, right? Which is often a situation for families. Um, But that's important. You got to, I really do believe that too. As much as I want to say, you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on this, you do want to invest in the initial assessment and getting yourself preliminarily at least trained. Mm -hmm. And you said it, not rushing to that 26 board, Mm -hmm. because if you don't build the foundational skills, it'll fall apart and then you risk your speller not wanting to spell because you literally have created a challenge that's too high for them at that moment. Motor wise, they've got the language. They Mm -hmm. totally have the answers. They have thoughts and ideas, I promise. But if you go too high on the motor demand before you've built up their ability to pull that cognition out and motorically spell it out letter by letter on the three boards, then the, then the 26, you, you jump the gun and you just, it's like Swiss cheese development. There's all these, there's going to be these holes and it won't sustain.
0: Right. And everyone will be frustrated.
1: Um, and everyone will be frustrated.
0: <laughs> so one of the, one of the basic questions I'm asked all the time is, um, is this like RPM? And I know you referenced SOMA and I've talked to yeah. SOMA. Um, and I and then there was S2C, which is what I always reference because Spelling yep. to Communicate is what we started. And then it's the, there's some practitioners that's the Speller's Method, which you guys are doing now. So- yep can you please clear up what all that means? Because yes. it's the same, virtually the same thing, but it's not. So like- I want it, it, to- Yeah,
1: it is and it isn't. What's the same? What's the same is that we use a lot of the same tools, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of the same concepts, but, and I'm only going to quote the founders on this and, and obviously- If they disagree with what I'm saying, I've gotten this from their website or speaking to them personally. So, but things evolve, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what I know, which is when Soma originally created RPM, she was intending for it to be a teaching technique, Mm -hmm. right? And she wanted to show rightfully so that people should be presuming competence in our kids and that they're intelligent and they're in there and they can learn just like any other kid in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that's part of RPM that's not part of S2C or Speller's method, for instance, is paper choices or giving choices. Because in academics, multiple choice tests are pretty par for the course, right? That's a lot of the way we measure learning in students. So choices in academia are fine. Choices in communication, to your PEC's example earlier, are influenced hey, Skylar, do you want drink or, or food? And he's like, none of the above, but you're forcing him to pick one of those two things. And so for all the reasons that you explained, like that doesn't work out so well when you're trying to actually get to communication, right? So so that's one big methodology. I, yeah, difference between like RPM and, and S2C or Speller's method. Um, S2C, so education technique for RPM byproduct kids can communicate on that 26 board, right? Once they get to there. S2C, communication technique, byproduct. kids can access curriculum now that they've got this 26-letter board, right? So they're almost in some ways like the inverse... Uh, sort of uh, theory or principle, but but they both use stencils, three boards, 26 stencils, laminate boards, keyboards. But there are more, you know, RPM doesn't necessarily use the the hierarchies of S2C, or we call them motor continuums or cognitive continuums. Like there's, there's more like practitioner intuition and guided. And again, I, I strongly recommend you just talk to RPM people about RPM. I'm telling you just as my experience, I started in RPM as a mom. So mm-hmm. like you, I'm like I'm not an RPM practitioner. I was trained in RPM first but only as a mom. So I, there's a lot I don't know about RPM. That's just is, my experience. Is
0: it fair to say what I always say and maybe this is wrong is that um I I've, I've talked to one of my she's become a friend really close friend now, Amy Allnut. Um she her family was featured in the movie um far is it far from the tree? Fall from the tree. Um and it referenced them going, it it was followed her family around and her son, who's Skylar's age, I believe. And Evan's age, they went to Soma. They went to that week long long weekend camp thing or whatever with the parents. It showed her in the room with him, putting the pieces of paper on the, on the chairs and he was picking them. But what, what I always say is that I feel like for me, spelling to communicate was a better process because there's practitioners around. There might be RPM practitioners around, but um, to hear Amy tell it, I mean, they, they were shocked at how much the, her son could do, but then they were sent home and then they had to continue it. And it, they just were like, ah, oh, we're not really ready like to do yeah. that on our own after a week of an intensive course. And so they just didn't feel supported.
1: After Yeah. That. So. Yeah. I think they are coming. I mean, I, I just saw a post recently about a new training, um, with Soma and, and at the end of the day, like, again, as a mom and in our Facebook group, the Spellers community, I talk about like, it's moderated by people who are contractors or Spellers method practitioners, um, but it really is non-denominational in that, I just say, people, please identify. If you're giving advice because you're a practitioner, but you're an RPM practitioner, please say that. So people are educated consumers about, yeah, Yeah, it's confusing, Mm -hmm. um, because there are these little differences, but if you're living somewhere and you know there's an RPM provider an hour from you, right? Go to the RPM provider, right? Like, I'm like, hey, go to the RPM provider. If there's an S2C provider, if there's a speller's method provider, like, there's so many paths up the mountain. What I will say is, it can get a little confusing for spellers who try to do both. And for parents who are learning, when they're learning the methodology behind RPM and they're trying to learn the methodology behind S2C or speller's method, there can be some confusion about wait, we do do this or we don't do that, right? And so jumping to what's the difference between S2C and Speller's method, um, a lot of it is very, very similar. Where we deviate, and it's a big no-no in S2C, is a lot of these board modifications that we will make, um, but not willy-nilly. Like we don't just arbitrarily switch up boards for people. Like the, the gold standard is a stencil. For many reasons, it the targets are bigger, they're consistent. We're getting that shoulder going, the gross motor part activated more. Um, when you go right to a laminate, or sorry, I'm trying to get an angle in my hand. I can't, I don't do the mirror test very well, <laughs> but um, you can start getting kids bending at the elbow and not really doing this, right? When you go right to finger on a board. So there's yeah. a reason if if a speller can do a stencil, we really love it because That's we nice. really exaggerate that movement in these foundational steps. But, but if a kid can't see that can't or if- Totally. Or literally totally. (laughs) Like, so I'm not going to be like, sorry. And neither is uh, (laughs) Kelly Berg, right? She's like, of course, like we're going to switch to the sensory Mm -hmm. foam boards, right? In the applied setting, you have to actually approach the individual differences of the speller that you're working with. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but as a rule of thumb, um, in speller's method, we're a little more liberal with that individual difference approach to what right, what board is right. And we put a, a heavy emphasis Um, not just on intentional motor, but the entire OT perspective, because that's Mm -hmm. Dana Johnson's um, forte. And I've always found myself like picking the brains of OTs along the way, um, partly because of my own kids, right? Sensory processing differences. They look identical. My kids look like twins, but they couldn't be more different in every which way, Mm -hmm. um, except their genetics, obviously. Um, and so I have one of each, no matter what it is, I have one of each, I have one who has some speech. I have one who has none. I have one who is, uh, auditorily hypersensitive and one who like shrieks and loves loud music blaring through his headphones. And like, so, I had to like really pick the brain of every OT I met. And when Dana and I started collaborating literally 10 years ago, when she was opening her school in Florida and I was working on one here in California, um, I just realized what a goldmine she was from the OT perspective Mm -hmm. and how there's so much more beyond just the communication because these kids get open or fluent. And then guess what? We still need to help them access their environment and think about like living and, and ADLs and activities of daily living and where, how are they going to be more autonomous? Right. Um, nobody has to be independent. None of us are independent, but like, how do you get to the highest level of autonomy possible? And that actually involves a lot of stuff off the boards, right? Like where we work on initiation and we really work on inhibition for all those impulsive kids like mine. Um, there's just, there's other facets that we've layered in and we really put those into our week-long programs because you can't teach that in an hour, right? It's, it's, a, it's kind of like this whole lifestyle approach to working with your speller on and off the boards. Um, and we're still evolving it to like get it more, even more resources out there for families to access it and work at home.
0: And one of the things you <clears throat> touched on uh, earlier is um, the concept that people think that your child has to know the alphabet. Yeah. And that's one of the other huge questions I get is because Skyler has not been in a public school or a school system since he was seven. He, I don't know that he was ever formally taught his alphabet. I certainly didn't. Um My only assumption is that listening to the, the news on the background of our TV yeah. and listening to the radio and us talking all the time and we talk to him, age-appropriate conversation, even if he doesn't respond back to us, we're still engaging him his whole life, that he just kind of read billboards and read yep. things and listened and how he knows how to spell. I don't know. I just have presumed confidence. And I just assumed it was in there. I'm not here to say that I always thought that, that yeah. when we reached out to Kelly and it was introduced to us um, and I, I looked at my husband and I, and I said, you know, I mean, it's one other therapy to try. We've done right. everything else. Let's just try it. I really didn't think that he would be able to spell because he didn't know his alphabet and he didn't yep. ever show that he really was a 20 year old in his mind or 18 at the time. So when Kelly came, one of the things that I said to her is he's not going to sit. So he never mm-hmm. sits. He's always pacing. She said, don't worry about it. I'm going to read. Yep. He's listening. Just let him pace through his thing. He's listening. And then yep. I'll bring him back over. And he sat down next to her. And then you know the rest of kind of his history, she asked him the first question And and she you know held the board. She knows what she's doing. Yeah, he spelled it perfectly. And I mean, she said every parent cries like we did, but (laughs) they do (laughs) because you just. I cannot explain the feeling to people who have never communicated really with their child to see them spell. It's just I always knew that he was smart, and I always assumed that. But to see it and to see his little personality finally like show off, I guess, you know, like all this, I know mom, it's just, I mean, it makes you want so much more. It's just, you gotta be careful not to push them too (laughs) fast, let them go at their own pace. But so for, you said, you know, you don't have to know your alphabet, but how are, if parents are skeptical, like, I just don't think that my child could do this. What do you, I mean, I know you have probably hundreds of examples of people who come to you just like Skylar and their parents are skeptical what do you say to everybody that's yeah. to get started?
1: Well, for starters, um, you have no evidence, believe it or not, you have no evidence that your child doesn't know their alphabet. The mm-hmm. only evidence you have is that they can't accurately point to letters right now, right? So there's yeah. a difference. There's actually a subtle difference there in that they don't have the motor skill ability to coordinate their looking and their poking. So, so just, Put that in your back pocket as one of the things um the other thing is i i tell parents all the time some people have a burning bush moment right like you in that first session he spells one word and you're like oh my god like and you know and you just know because you've had an intuitive feeling in fact that's why you had kelly come to your house right like me too i was waiting i knew that evan was always smarter than he could show on these school-based assessments yeah. but i i actually had no idea how smart he was i just was like he's educatable and this might sound really offensive to some people but i was like we treat we teach dogs literally dogs verbal commands like we teach them to to understand what we're saying when i say certain words and they and they act accordingly i'm sure we can teach this human who some days follows two and three step directions with ease and then on the next day, can't do a single thing I said to him, or point to the object, or whatever. I was, it was so confusing, but that's apraxia, right? It's consistently inconsistent. So I went into my first session going, I know he's smarter than they say, but I have absolutely no idea what the threshold is. Evan ends up doing a poem with, or he didn't write the poem, he wasn't spelling openly, but they were reading a poem, and and the RPM teacher said, Evan, give me another word for God's love because the poems said that, you know, the sun warmed the boy's skin like God's love. And I look at my friend, Anoti, and I'm like, what the heck is another word for God's love? I know, like, I always have to question
0: myself too, the answer right? sometimes.
1: <laughs> I mean, th- well, and this was open. This was mm-hmm. like literally an open question and he spelled out benevolent and he's 12. He, he just spelled turned spelled it right, 12. right? And he spelled it right. Yeah. And I was like, uh, but now I went the opposite direction. I was like, this is snake oil. I was like, no way. I was like, no way. So after he left the room, I was like, hold on, hold on. Like, how does a 12-year-old boy know the word benevolent? That doesn't make, and I watched it and I've gone back since and looked at the video. It's clean. The board doesn't move. Like, I mean, it's, so I'm like, but how, how, how is that possible? And so she gave me the spiel that I have since seen play out. And just for the record, at this point, I've spelled with hundreds and hundreds of kids who've become fluent and I ask all of them, because this is the most important piece of evidence. I ask all of them, how did you learn to read? Like, how did you, and they either have the answer. I just could always do it. Like, literally, I don't know. My brain could always do it. Or I taught myself on the, like Elizabeth Bonker says the CNN ticker or the subtitles on the videos or the billboards or the things, you know what I mean? Like I taught myself to do it because they're actually really, really smart. And yet we're not feeding them age appropriate other than talking to them age appropriate, we're not feeding them curriculum that's age appropriate. So they're looking for stimulation. They're reading everything around them. You know, my friend's son was recently diagnosed, but as we were working up to the diagnosis, she's like, he loves the poster in my kitchen. And it was like, and it's full of words because it's a album cover on a frame. I'm like, yeah, he's reading it. I'm like, she's like, what? I'm like, he's reading it. He's reading all the words on the (laughs) thing. And sure enough, right. He's a pre-speller now we call him because he's just turned five. I'm like, um, I'm like, yeah, he's reading it because he's stimulating his brain with what he can get access to, which is what's around him in the community. So yeah, I, I don't presuming competence never means we think these kids know everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Or that they have been exposed to everything. It doesn't mean that at all. And the structure of a a spelling lesson is such that we teach them the content that we're then going to have them practice spelling back. So especially in the beginning, I hardly ever even ask a kid to spell a word that I haven't pre-taught them mostly for the parents sake by the way like so that they're not like hold on you didn't teach him how to spell that you know what I mean but also to keep the anxiety level low for the student because I think they've had a history of I can't prove that I know this and they don't want this to be another one of those situations where they make a mistake and they think they think I think they don't know Right. Mm -hmm. And I try to convey, like, dude, I know you know it. I know you know it. If you misspoke, it's just literally a typo. I get it. Like, just keep going. I'm going to coach you. But there can be some old trauma from, Nobody knows how smart I am because I just keep hitting the wrong thing. Ito says that in his book, Ito and Autism Land, how frustrating it was, right? To think, I know that's the picture of the tree. Why the heck is my hand touching the picture of the apple? Like it's maddening. So we do structure our lessons so that we reduce that, right? Frustration and anxiety so they can be at their optimal motor output performance and not feel like they're being quizzed. And tested to prove anything. They have nothing to prove. They're learning how to hit a ball with a bat. They're learning a motor skill, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's get your eye to the ball. Like, there's the ball. Okay, now hit it with the bat, but touch it with your finger, right? That's the one, two thing. So, for parents, last thing I'll say is for parents, I say, you don't have to even buy this idea of presuming competence. You just have to rent it. Like, you just have to rent it for the first few months where you literally, set aside everything you think you know about your child's intelligence, literacy ability, do they know their letters, what have they had prior knowledge of or exposure to? Just set it aside, be open to having a new experience and then work with your practitioner and be honest. Just be honest about your misgivings or doubts because because there's always information that we can share that explains why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like you got to believe in order to set up the scenario, right? Like you got to believe so that in the beginning you will actually prompt them because they need prompting. Like you can't just put a board down and be like, okay, touch P and then go silent. If they're brand new to spelling, they literally can't do that yet. Right. Mm -hmm. That like, you have to actually be like, up, 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 move your eyes over, get it, get it, get it. Which, you know, if a critic watches a, a film from episode, episode one from from your first session or your second session. They're like, that's influenced. I'm like, well, yeah, we're helping the kid find the letter and poke it correctly. It's not a quiz. We're not testing them. Right? So there is an element of, we got to prompt, but if you don't presume competence and you're trying to get them to prove it to you, you're going to just try throwing a board down in front of your kid at home and be like, poke p and say nothing. Cause you don't know yet how to prompt when not to prompt, Mm -hmm. which prompts are appropriate for which stage of communication. You know what I mean? Like you should not be gesturing if you're doing open communication, that's influence. Like there's a lot to teach you so that you can be successful. But in very short time, the kiddo that you thought didn't know his alphabet is going to show you they do. And if nothing else, worst case scenario, you've taught it to them through the process of these spelling lessons. Mm-hmm. That's like the, the final, I had one boy and he's actually featured in the B-roll footage of Spellers when, when Dana is talking about apraxia and, and non-speaking autistics. Um, you see film footage of me spelling with, with one boy in particular, his name is CJ. He went a full year with me couldn't hit, could not successfully spell a single word correctly. And I would say was pretty heavily gesture dependent. Like if I wasn't gesturing, he couldn't even get near the letter. Now, if you take in his whole presentation, gross motor, zero tone, super floppy body, couldn't hold himself up at all, had no core strength. I literally, he was my youngest too. So he would literally sit on my knee and I would literally physically support him tons of ocular motor stuff going on, like cannot keep his eyes on the board to save his life. So of course, of course he couldn't finish a word, um, correctly flash forward. It took us a long time, but as we slowly ate that elephant one, one bite at a time, this boy, once his mom started spelling with him at home, cause English is a second language for her. So there was like some con- concern of hers getting on the boards that first year, once she started spelling with him, he completely took off. But that whole first year I was like, well, maybe I'm teaching him his alphabet. I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, I'm teaching him, hey, that's T, we spelled this word, whatever. Now, he's at, at by 11 years old, he was fully fluent, fully open, but it took years to get there. I mean, it was like three and a half years in before he was really showing me that he even fully knew this, but you presuming competence is what kept us on the track, right? Mm-hmm. So that when the moment came and everything came together, the OT, the core strength, he saw the vision therapist, like all the pieces were together, and now he's flourishing and spelling openly and using mainstream curriculum, you know, et cetera, oh, awesome. et cetera. Yeah. But he's yeah. complex. And if yeah. I'd given up or mom had given up, right, mm-hmm. he, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing now.
0: I think for me too, that that phrase has evolved. Like, like you said, presuming competence for me, it gave me the confidence- to trust in my intuition, I already knew that Skylar was capable of more than people have expected of him, and yep. all of these tests and all of these stupid things I filled out his whole life that says he's forever <laughs> a twelve to eighteen month old. And um, you know, it just it was, I think the other thing is, I don't ever want him to feel, and we say it all the time. You don't have to convince anybody of anything. yeah, if you don't have to yeah. convince me or any teachers or anybody that doesn't believe in it. I'm not taking these videos to like prove to people that you can spell and I'm not doing it and I'm not moving your hand and all that stuff. It's so that you can look back on these and, and be so proud of yourself for how far you've come. Like physically his limitations are his body. Yeah. I wanted to touch on something with spelling too. Um, for, hopefully people will understand we use the term open and semi-open and all of that a lot. So essentially what you're saying to explain to everyone is that when you start out with spelling, I mean, we read passages to them and we spell some, there's some words in some of the passages that are fully capitalized, which indicates to spell it as you're reading. Um, And that's kind of where you start. It's not like you're putting the board in front of them and saying, you know, tell me the theory of relativity in
1: your perspective, (laughs) right? No, we're not there.
0: And Skylar is um, semi-open still. And we've been doing this about three years So the the worst thing you can do is compare to other spellers. There are some people with no motor delay that start out on the boards or the stencils and they're on them a month and they're already on the keyboard because they, they just were waiting for someone to give them this, this way to communicate. Um, and they don't have a delay, but Skylar has so many motor issues. He's very floppy core is weak. Like you described some of the other people. So we have to go at his pace and not frustrate him. So can you explain a little bit about the levels of communication so that people? Sure. Yeah.
1: And for the record there, I think there are as many Skylers as there are Jamie Hanley's. Yeah, And I think, I think the Jamie Hanley's maybe get more publicity and the method highlights their fluency, which means, you know, you can put a board down in front of Jamie, ask him anything you want, and he can write a robust, long-winded, or short if he feels like being brief, right? But answer to your question. Um, And that's what we call open communication means like you've already gone through the learning stages of how do you coordinate your hand and your eyes? How do you poke these letters with flow, with accuracy? You have momentum, you have stamina, which again, with someone like Skylar who has some more complex motor pieces at play, it's still all achievable, but certainly not on a Jamie Hanley timeline, right? Of, you know, for him, it was three months months before he emerged open. Um, That's really fast. Mm -hmm. Although JB didn't tell the general public how many hours a day they were working on this and that they could work on it hours a day because most spellers don't have that kind of stamina. So what they condensed into three months is what takes most students nine to 12 months to do, um, they were just able based on Jamie's physiology, availability, resources, you know what I mean? They could practice a lot and come to see me every few weeks, which they were, so they were doing multiple outreaches in those three months. So when you spread that out over most families, it's about on par with what it takes a lot of spellers to get to a place where they're just getting onto that 26 stencil. So you move from these three boards of like, hey, we're just trying to get the motor part down, right? We got to get the motor part down. You can basically spell words that we pre-taught and you can answer questions that have one known answer, right? Because I got to know which of the three boards to pick up, right? I can't just pick up one and ask you an open question. There's only eight letters on it. So that's step one. Step two is now you've emerged onto this 26th stencil, meaning the whole alphabet now is on one big page, which greatly increases the demand on the eyes, right? And the ability to discriminate between those letters so that they're not blending into one another. So you got to work again a little bit on accuracy and flow. Um, And you do again, spell words and questions with one known answer. But now to your point, like Skylar, you're working on multiple choice questions. So this is the first This is the stepping stone into using it for communication because once a speller can reliably and confidently go to that first letter out of a multiple choice question, you're emerging to a place where you could at least say to him, It's still a forced influence choice, but do you want pancakes or waffles for breakfast? And you could put that board down or none of the above pancakes, waffles, or something else, PW or S, which one do you want? Right. You're emerging. Now we don't recommend that in Speller's method or even in S2C. We're like, just hold on, hold on, build the foundation. Because once you turn this from I'm learning a motor skill into it's Quasi application phase, like we're quasi using it to communicate. Yeah, it does change the dynamic for the speller, and they might be less excited about their spelling sessions, right? So, so we caution, but parents are going to do what they're going to do, right? And especially in kids with more complex bodies, mm-hmm. you've waited a long time. Everyone has waited a long time, right? Everyone has waited a long time to hear their child's voice and to know what they're truly feeling and thinking. I overkilled. I went to Evan when he got fluent, this poor kid, I asked him everything. Hey, do you want to wear the red shirt or the blue shirt? Do you want to do this or this? Like I wanted to give him all the autonomy in the world. And he literally blitzed one day and was like, I don't care. Like, stop. Would you just pick it for me? Pick my clothes, pick what's for dinner, pick what's like, I, he's just that kid. He's like, I don't care, mom. Stop asking me all these questions. I'm like, oh, okay. I thought I was being like super honoring of his, you know? So now I ask him, but I literally don't make him spell it. I'll be like, do you care? And he'll say yes or no. And if he cares, then I give him the letter board and he gives me, you know, I also trust his no is pretty reliable when he's like pushing me away from something. I'm like, okay, okay. We don't have to do that. But so, so the fluency, yeah, the fluency is like, you got to learn it first. The Mm -hmm. skill that's acquisition application is like, Hey, now I'm using the letter board to communicate. And if you jump into application application, too soon before the speller has the solid motor skill foundation, it changes the dynamic. It can make it very frustrating for them. And we often get into like failure to launch situations where like now they're resisting spelling sessions and and no one's progress is truly linear. So no matter what you see on Facebook, from anybody who's kind of a prominent speller out there, if you actually talk mom to mom or speller to speller, you'll find out no one has gone straight up straight up from I started at day one and everything went smooth as glass, you know, till I got to this place of fluency yeah. and now life is great, rainbows and unicorns. Like it's never like that for anybody. There's always uh dips and valleys. There are things that come in from health standpoint that affect spelling. Evan lately, in fact, since the film came out, we've been dealing unbeknownst to me with mold, but not knowing why he was having such a hard time spelling, especially in public. Um And so we had all these panels for the film, for the cast. And I'd be like, buddy, you don't have to spell. Like, I don't care. If you want to spell and answer a question, spell. But if you need to get off set and just go over there, it's because your body, go. Like, you have nothing to prove to anybody. You were in the film. You did it. Like, there's plenty of people here whose bodies are regulated today. Let them do the spelling. Like, nobody should have to prove their authorship or their communication method. And that's one of the biggest fallacies out there, which I hope the revolution is going to help through sheer numbers, through sheer numbers of families who get their kids spelling, who see for themselves. Okay. This is my kid. This is my kid's voice. I'm not influencing them. Like as the mom, you're like, I'm not moving the board. Like I am not influencing him. I know this is him. That's all the proof you need as a parent. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I get to change schools and institutions and whatever. We need more than that. But but for the individual family, that's all you need is good technique.
0: Yeah. And again, I mean, I'll throw myself under the bus, but one of the, I will always say you need a practitioner to teach you first to help you get started. And then, you know, um, you know, as we do, our sessions are virtual with Kelly and she critiques more me than Skylar yeah. anymore. I mean, because I, <laughs> I want to be accurate. I don't want to mess him up. Um, But it was funny. I was so excited. I was so proud of myself because I was pushing Skylar a little bit and I thought I was helping by um, just, you know, he was doing so great on the 26 board we had moved to. And I'm like, I don't know what his favorite color is. So I told Kelly (laughs) after I go, Kelly, I was so excited. I asked Skylar, is your, do you like red or do you like blue? And he spelled red. And then I said, Well, do you like green or red better? And he spelled red. And I'm like, His favorite color is red. And she goes, Um, well that's really exciting. <laughs> she's just like um that's kind of like you know you're still influencing because maybe he doesn't like blue green or red but if he had to pick between those colors and red yeah. he likes red a little better so I don't know that you can actually you know concretely say he likes red well like fast forward a year later and he he has he op- has done some open communication questions and so she taught me the correct way and I said Skylar what's your favorite color Stop! I didn't give him choices. He's orange, and I'm like, Ah. (laughs) hate when she's right. No, but those are just that's the tiny examples of you think you're you're helping, but I probably confused him more, and I brought him back to the Pecs world. Yeah, and I didn't mean to. So it's just it's really important that you have somebody to consult with, even if you don't see them every week or check in once a month. When Kelly had her baby, we switched to we didn't see her for months, and then it's just like a once a month check-in and she just evaluates his progress and mine and all yeah. of that. But yeah. um, you just really shouldn't go it alone because I just well yeah, will hinder the process.
1: Well, and what you don't know, there's only so much you can take in. Like you think about the, well, you know, I mean, I'm a mom, you're a mom. Like in that first moment when you were seeing a practitioner too, I tell parents they'll come for like two days to see me. I do, I literally only see out of town families now. And my team who I've mentored from like their fledgling days to now, they're amazing. They see all the local families, right? Okay. Um, and help support our Ohana, we call it, our Speller's Ohana here in San Diego. Um, But parents will come in and that first session, I know they're just watching their kids. They're literally just watching their speller or their, their daughter or son. And then the second session, like, okay, now I need you to pay attention to what I'm doing like, because, because I want your, I'm going to start coaching you to do what I'm doing. There's only so much learning people can do in any one given moment, right? Like meaning I'm going to do the job of figuring out what's the best board. What's how's their body moving? What's I'm going to set you up for the most success. And that's what an assessment session is about. It looks just like every other session to the untrained eye. I'm doing a lesson. I'm using boards, but I might be switching boards to be like, what's going to be the most effective. Does he, does he need a weighted stylus? Can he hold a weighted Stylist? Does he plop his elbow on his body because he has no core strength? Like I I look at all of those things and then I come up with like a recipe, a starting recipe, and go, okay, here's what we're gonna do. And I'm gonna start coaching you. But there's only so much content I can put in your head while you're while you are also learning a motor skill. Mm -hmm. So all that other stuff, like what is influence? Like how what prompts do I use now that later I can't use? What happens if I don't prompt? There's just so much to share which is again, why Dana and I ended up writing the Speller's Guidebook. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, the publisher came to JB and asked JB to write the this guidebook. And he said, he said, Nope, I wrote underestimated. He's like, but I know who should write it. And he basically introduced (laughs) us to them and we're like, okay, we'll do it for you. And it wrote itself because Dana and I know this content inside and out, but it's meant to be like, there's so much more and your humility, you know, as a mom, but also knowing you want to do the right thing by Skylar and you want to support him for the most long-term success. And, and that standards of practice, like following these kind of guidelines is honestly, at the end of the day, what's going to allow Skylar to generalize his skill beyond you. That's the thing. So the standardization means, because we all worry about what happens to our kids when we die, right? Who's going to be their communication partner now on top of where are they going to live and what's going to... If they followed kind of standard protocols for getting to that point of fluency, that skill is going to generalize so much more easily to all the other communication partners. You're doing the heavy lifting right now because he's also learning the skill. So you've been learning and he's learning, which is the hard, it it is never going to take that long to get somebody else to the same place you're at currently with him. Mm -hmm. But because you've been really thoughtful and like particular about how you've moved up, It's going to allow someone else who's been trained to come in and pick up kind of ride your coattails, if you will, which is great.
0: Well, one of the things I always worried about, and you addressed it too in the beginning a little bit, is um, because of Skyler's Crohn's and all of his GI issues, I've been very transparent that spelling has taken a backseat. We've actually started back the last couple of weeks. We spell every night. Um, I just limit him to like five words and we just yep. a little bit just to kind of get him back into it. But I just couldn't bring myself to like have him do that therapy when he can barely sit to eat because his stomach hurts so much. Yep. I at first I was worried. I thought, oh, my gosh, he's going to lose all of these skills. He's going to, you know, regress and and all of that. But surprisingly, every time that we do take a month hi- hiatus or two months, he sits right down and he picks right up where he left off, which yeah, is, I, I should have known that that would be the case, but it's hard to not let that creep in that I'm, I'm doing him a disservice by not doing spelling with him one week or a month. So is that pretty? <laughs> no. That you, that?
1: Yeah. Your experience is part is, is what I hear a lot. And in my own personal experience too, mm-hmm. um, once you start helping them form these new neural pathways in their brain, they're there, they're there. Right. So, um, it's okay to take those breaks, especially by the way, whether they're the student, your speller, your son or daughter is dysregulated, physically ill, whatever, or you are. Like if you're going through something and you're not gonna be able to sit down and feel calm and centered and regulated as a communication partner, that don't spell that night. Like it's not a good idea. Alternatively, though, you can still be feeding their brain. You can still be reading age-appropriate chapter books to them. So when they're not physically up to it, be giving them rich vocabulary. Because if they're going to be spellers and typers, if that's going to be their predominant method of communication, then what they're going to end up needing is additional adjectives and adverbs to describe things. Because how we speak like this is very different than how we write. You know what I mean? And so if you're exposing him to chapter books during those times where he's not feeling well, if he can tolerate that. Now, if he can't even stand hearing your voice because he's feeling so crappy, (laughs) because I get that, right? Good open question next. Yeah, be like, okay, clearly, or you know, clearly this is not working. But for Evan, when his GI, so Evan also has Crohn's and has all these GI issues, which is why I also couldn't start with him sooner. So back to the don't look in the rearview mirror. Like there's a reason, just trust. There's a reason if you're hearing this for the first time that you never heard about this before, if you heard about it before, but didn't feel like it was right for you, just trust. That's exactly how it was supposed to be. Because again, you can't go back and redo it anyway. So just from this moment on, okay, so what feels right for the next step? Like what's, how do you eat the elephant, right? One tiny bite at a time. What's the very next thing you do. You join the Spellers community on Facebook and you start asking questions. You talk to other autism parents because really who does anyone trust more than a fellow parent of a kiddo with autism, right? Talk to other parents, like do your recon, know you're going to hear conflicting things like everything out there, but then trust your intuition. And and um, and um, if your son or daughter is not feeling well, yeah, don't spell. And it's okay if you take gaps off, but feed their brain. Be like, how else can we listen to podcasts in the car if the car is soothing? Evan could never have spelled in the years up till he turned 11, he had just come off four years of formula. He was on an all formula diet because we kept making his diet more and more and more, um, exclusive and like trying to like eliminate everything. He ended up in the hospital for 30 days on IV feeds for full bowel rest. And so there was no way there was just no way we were just surviving, right. Trying to heal and survive and whatever. So by the time we started, it was the right time for him, you know, and we caught it before kind of for, before puberty, which, don't let that stop you, by the way, if your kiddo is yeah. just entering puberty, but just know, sure, hormones, hormones are a thing that like nobody's path is linear, right? Like they can throw a little wrench in regulation, but it's nothing that we can't help walk a family through, right? Like mm-hmm. there's no time better than the present. I would just start. And again, if your child's not feeling well, then start doing more recon and reading to them, age appropriate books, right? Mm-hmm. Those are all things you can be doing right now that will pay off. Evan never got, he got his IEP, his letter board into his IEP by the time he was, um, let me think, 13, 14, 14 years old. And then due to various nonsense, he really didn't start working on age appropriate curriculum at public school for another couple of years. So at 17, he started working he's going to graduate high school this June. So in three and a half years he made up for not having been exposed, except for what I read to him or shared with him at home, right? These kids are so smart. (laughs) Like that's the one thing I'll say is like, they don't need 12 years of formal education. There's things that build on itself. Like math is something you gotta like go back and fill in some things that might be missing if they've never been exposed. but you can just start with high school curriculum with kids. And, and it, it regurgitates a lot of the American history that they would have gotten fifth grade or third grade or whatever, like just start where you're at and start with age appropriate content. And, um, and you're already doing right by them, whether you've picked up a letter board or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people are curious about too, is, uh, and I've heard from other speller mom or communication partners that are moms, a lot of spellers, choose and they don't really like to spell with their parent, like with their mom or their dad. And and I don't know if you've experienced some of that. When I've had some spellers on the podcast and they've typed out their answers, I asked that specific question. And a couple of them said the same thing that they try so hard to be perfect for us that when they make a mistake, like you said, they hit, hit the wrong letter, or they spell something wrong, or they're having a really hard time that they yeah. feel bad and they don't want to let us down, which broke my heart to hear that because I feel like we're the least judgmental people. But um, so if there are parents who are communication partners currently or are nervous about that role um, in particular, I mean, Skylar hits me. He hits the board some days. He smacks me and he's just not feeling it. And I know to regulate myself and to just kind of keep my calm because he's feeding off of my energy, too but it's really hard when you're getting yeah. hit at every session and you're like, do you like me? I mean, do you want me to do yeah, this? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you say to parents who either can, it's just are not successful spelling with their child or what can we do to overcome that if they don't have a practitioner in their area and it's just them, it has
1: to be. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and so Dana and I are big proponents of getting parents on the boards of CRPs, even yeah. in those scenarios. Right. But also yeah. recognizing that, um, you can't just push through dysregulation on your own side, not only their side, but also your own side. I did a whole webinar with um, National Autism Association on this, on the um, the unique role of a parent communication partner. It's on our Speller's website under resources. You can find all our previous presentations and whatnot. Um, I also did one on the complex motor Speller, which um, is on there as well. But co-regulation and parents, the way I look at it is my son likes to watch. Well, Evan likes to put on boss baby because he thinks that Trey, his brother is the boss baby around here. So it's a running joke, but anyway, the boss (laughs) baby movie is often playing when he thinks that Trey is being a little persnickety. Um, But I think about the, the, the forever puppy when they came out with the forever puppy. And I'm like, well, you're the forever CRP. So that's the one thing I'll say is that I've had this happen when my first cohort of families here were all friends of mine that I got spelling with their kids. And I wasn't as adamant about parents getting on the boards right away. My practice has changed entirely. Like I am like parents on the boards by session two, whatever, because what I saw play out is that first year of OGs took the longest to get fluent because they weren't practicing more than once a week as they were with me. They needed more practice than that. Um, and they also, um, Would need me at the doctor's office and they would need me to come to the IEP and they would need me. And I thought that's stressful for them. I mean, like, I would be like, if I could do it, I would do it because at the time my practice was only like nine kids, right? So I'm like, if I can go, I'll go. But I was like, Holy cap. If you need me to be there in order to know what's going on with your kid in these emergency situations, I'm doing you a disservice, right? Like I need to teach you that even if it's not as fluent as what you might get when you see the practitioner who is a one step ahead of you. Like I never, I try to never be more than one step ahead of the parents. So I'm not writing essays with a speller who's still on the three boards with their parents right? I'm going to keep coaching so that we're kind of neck and neck and you're drafting like a bicycle, right? Like you're drafting with me so that I'm advancing the speller skills. And then you're cleaning, you're, you're just swooping in right behind me. Um, and for those who don't live near a practitioner, like, yeah, we got to help work you through it, like help you through that. Right. And it's a lot of work on yourself. That's where You know, I've had it on my Facebook page since the day I joined Facebook back in whatever 2009. That I'm I'm a spiritual being here having a human experience, and I've never had to change that tagline because I'm like at the end of the day, um, I the the gift that I receive as being Evan and Trey's mom has been learning to be present even though I'm a doer even though I'm a, a high achiever like I want to accomplish things I want to make a difference all in their lives in the world whatever they've actually taught me how to sit still and wait and be patient and and also to stay regulated in the midst of total calamity because I've tried all the other things and it doesn't work right and yeah. so they've helped me evolve as a spiritual person to be able to hold that kind of space, which now I try to impart in little bits of wisdom when I work with families or in our immersion weeks or something. Cause I'm like, it's a process though, that is almost, it's commingled with the spelling journey, but it's almost like your own healing journey to be the most regulated person you can be. Cause you're right. That dynamic of, um, I don't want to disappoint my mom. And then the mom saying, I don't want to be the one holding my kid back. Like there is an energy that is unique to the parent as a CRP Danny with words, Danny witty had a post about this, about his mom a couple of times over the past year. And they're finally, they're open, but he's been spelling openly for a long time. And it just took the longest with his mom. Um, but they, and but they processed all that out together and it's been part of the journey and, and they, it, but it's so worth it. That's the bottom line. You're not holding your kid back. Um, even if they're less fluent with you, even if they're a little bit more dysregulated with you, you're who they want to talk with the most. I promise. Right. Like I promise, even if it's the hardest, right. You just got to pace yourself with like, you know, how are we feeling today? Is this a good day for us to practice together?
0: Yeah. And I think that the most special moments Um, I would love to hear directly from Skylar Spelling with me. But, you know, part of Underestimated and, and in the Spellers movie, just hearing the the sep- this uh, several times that might have been with you, too, where Jamie would say, you know, that he and his dad sing to the radio, always the same station. And he, they had nicknames for each other and that, you know, JB didn't know that Jamie was actually retaining all of that. And so when he called his dad by that little, you know, nickname that they have for each other and he followed his brother's sports and he followed his sister's stuff. And like he was he knew everything that was happening with the siblings and whatever. And he just had no way of sharing it. I just I'm very anxious for that to come out of Skylar whenever it comes out. I know it's in there, but I would love for him to say it to me versus me sitting in the room when he's spelling that. To a practitioner, I, I mean, I selfishly I want to be the one that he
1: yeah, you know tells us things it. To.
0: So it just makes me want to continue, you know, working really hard with him. And and you're right, it's hard for a viewer controlling person to sit still and just wait for him to spell as slowly as he spells sometimes. It's like, yeah, come on, over there, over there.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> one hop well- over. <laughs> You're doing an awesome job. If no one said that to you lately, you're doing an amazing job. So (laughs) keep going. You're a good inspiration to all the families.
0: Um, So as we wrap up really quick, um, is there a best place for people to start? Should they go to the website or the Facebook page? Can they be admitted to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Totally. Yes. In fact, it and it's a, what I'd recommend definitely join the Spellers community Facebook group. It's open to all, um, do a search for posts first. Like you'll see that people have asked the same questions you're going to ask. Right. So, um, look for posts from new parents. And, and, and then if you have a question that hasn't already been answered, go ahead and post about your child. The families are amazing. It's really, really the families are supporting other families. We're in there moderating in case someone's asking a technical question that we're like, okay, a practitioner should probably answer this rather than, um, a parent giving practitioner advice, but, but people are always welcome to share what they're doing. Like when you Mm -hmm. speak as a parent, who's learned us to see, like, speak of that. Like, this is what I know. This is what my practitioner taught me. Like, that's totally appropriate. So that's a great place for recon. Um, also the spellers.com website. There's Mm -hmm. so many resources under the resource tab. Um, and then our online trainings, we offer a virtual communication partner training course. They run every eight weeks. Our next one starts in March. So there's plenty of time to do some recon. Um, you can buy our book, which also gives you the background. Um, but yeah, do your research like all good parents do. And, um, And then reach out with any questions. We're happy to answer any of those questions that people have individually. Like when you have a specific to your child question, you want to ask and not post on Facebook.
0: Okay. Is there an age that people should wait to get started? Oh, Yeah,
1: good question. I'll assess as young as four or five, um, but because they already know how to read and spell is what they all tell me is by two and a half or three. So I will assess them that young, but I got to make sure the parents really have the inner resources because- they're, they're spider monkeys. These kids very rarely are sitting in a chair for an adult directed task. Right. And that's part of what's required to learn the motor skill. So totally doable. Um, I often recommend people go to our immersion weeks when they have a little one, because, um, We spend the whole week doing a lot of OT with you as well, but but we'll assess as young as four or five. If you've got the inner resources, you're going to go for it. You can start spelling that age. Seven's like a, I want to say six. Seven's like a magical number, but it's never too late either. So like, if if your kid's twenty seven, he's an adult kid now. Like if he's twenty seven, if he's fifty two, like they can still learn to spell to communicate. It's never too late. Okay,
0: thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, we have so thank much to talk you. about. I know. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. Yes. I will can't wait to bring Skyler to an immersion week so you can meet him and we can actually yes. spell in together.
1: That would well, be thank amazing. You.
0: Take care. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Too. Bye. Bye.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Skylife with others. Thanks again for listening.